You are now listening to The Sexy Escort Guide, discussing everything fascinating about the world of paid companionship. And now, here is your sexy host, Exotic Vivian. A very good day to you, my darlings. This is episode 76 of The Sexy Escort Guide podcast. I am your host, Vivian, and today we're going to be venturing yet again into the world of kink with a very special guest who specializes in pegging. Ooh. (laughs) But before we get into the show, a few things. This is going to be the finale of season three. Wow. 76 episodes and we're still here. Thank you so much to all of our day ones, our day 200s now and everything in between. I am extremely grateful for your support of the show and the show's Patreon page, patreon.com slash TSEGP. A few of you have donated just a dollar a month to help with the admin cost of the show, and I truly appreciate it. Because as you know, it's just me, myself, and I trucking away because I truly enjoy producing this podcast for our community. With that said, I will be taking a break to recharge and we'll be back with some awesome interviews and more November 4th, 2020. I can't believe this year is almost over and we've spent majority of it indoors with this fucking pandemic, but hey, we will keep trucking on. As always, if you're interested in guest hosting an episode while I'm gone or anytime really, I could use the help, shoot me an email, vivian at tsegp.com. Of course, your topic must be relevant to our industry. It doesn't matter the length. You just need to have your content fully edited and ready to go. Don't worry about the intro, outro, sponsor segments. I will add those in. Just make sure your stuff is completely edited because I will not be spending my downtime editing your content, okay? We actually need more what's in the news stuff. So even if your episode is just about current events, I welcome you to reach out to me. Again, my email is vivian at tsegp.com. Thank you very much. Okay, on to the show. But first, a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by our diamond sponsor, Companion Tax and Accounting Services. You've heard us interview the owner, Mary Lee, on episode 7, 36, and 58. Companion Tax really knows their stuff, and I, Vivian, can personally vouch for them. They are the professionals you need to hire to handle all of your tax accounting and business needs. Companion Tax was created specifically with us companions in mind. It doesn't get any more niche than that. They have been in business since 2011 and have become a leading resource for the community. Although based in South Florida, they are licensed in all states. You can visit them at companiontax.com and fill out the new client information form to get started and take charge of your financial future. Today, we have a very special guest who I like to call Daddy, Deborah Rain. Deborah is a San Francisco Bay Area-based companion who visits Philly frequently and is available for Fly Me To You dates. They specialize in kink and fetish companionship. Hello, Devra. Welcome to the show. Hey. I love your voice. It's so deep. Thank you. <laughs> Sensual. <It is. laughs> yes. 
I love it. I love it. Um, almost like uh, Chantel. She had like a deep, uh, sensual voice too. Oh, uh, but thank you for coming on the show. And let's just get right into it. Please tell the listeners a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today. Alrighty. So I'm a queer, non-binary, Jewish and Sicilian sex worker, uh, artist, and uh, somatic sex coach. I grew up in and outside of Philly. Spent a lot of my childhood, my mom's hair salon, and part of my upbringing was going to Hebrew school. Okay. I'd say that I, I grew up uh, religiously Jewish, but mostly in, in Italian culture. So, Wow. Um, that yeah. must have been interesting. Yeah, big Italian family. Uh, definitely like the, <laughs> the only Jews like within that larger family for sure. Yeah, in, in school, I was like definitely like a bit of a social reject. Hung out with older kids. I was really into art. I still am. And What kind um, of art? I, I do all sorts of art. I always tell people that I'm very hands-on. So um, pretty much everything but digital art. So mostly drawing, painting, um, crafts, sculpture. Uh, So digital art is not my forte, but it's something I want to get into. Okay. Um, And I went to college for art as well and uh, art education. And then since then, I've just studied with um, different teachers um, and mentors doing like independent education, like outside. Oh, that's pretty cool. Awesome. Now, do you do you promote your art with? this persona or is it completely not really separate? not okay. really I don't have a lot of my art online I guess I'm kind of old school but people have told me to like put some stuff up I guess um yeah sometimes I share a little bit here and there um okay. but definitely like my work has like taken over a little bit more of my time and would like to make more time for art always art is always good it's uh it's healing it's therapy yeah yeah definitely <laughs> important lot, to prioritize <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of things. Okay. Lots of twists and turns. So uh, I began my journey into sex work in 2007 out of just like lack of better options at the time. So yeah, like my family was facing some financial hardship, as was I. Um, I was a broke college student at a rural wasn't? school. <laughs> I know. It's, uh, you, can't, you can't be. You can't well, unless be you were, unless unless you were born into a, a wealthy yes. family. You're I was going to say that. You're a college student. That is true. <laughs> there, there are definitely kids getting that, that family money deposited every month into their account. Yeah. But, um, so, but for a lot of us, that wasn't true. So, you know, being on scholarship, financial aid, loans, um, I was racking up credit card debt fast, just like, you know, a lot of students do. And, um, I was doing freelance art and work study jobs, but they just weren't cutting it. You know, back then, minimum wage was a bit less. So um, I started um, modeling for college nude figure drawing classes, as well as painters, sculptors, and um, art nude and erotic photographers. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it was like kind of like a natural progression since I was already, you know, I had been doing figure drawing classes since I was like a teenager. So um made sense that I would like pick up some work doing that so this is back in the the Craigslist days so oh wow <laughs> before <laughs> so they shut know. down the adult RIP yeah so that's where I, I was actually finding just a lot of my vanilla art jobs doing you know murals or 
commission work. You know what? Craigslist like does that. have like their little niche area where you can find odd jobs. Yeah, you know? just like little before all the apps came about. Odd jobs, exactly. Yeah. Like you know, just like cash in hand stuff. Like, um, and it was easy because I could just kind of like you know make my own schedule. So I was finding a lot of art jobs, but there was also the adult gig section at the time, and I definitely was curious about that and ventured into that area and started checking it out. And so I started doing like more stuff that was like erotic modeling, toy shows, FBSM, fetish sessions, you know, escorting. Um, It was just a mixed bag. It was, you know, people offering types of work as well as, you know, um, you posting your own like ads looking Mm -hmm. for work. So I did a bit of both. And then around that time, an acquaintance suggested that I audition at a strip club since I really like to dance and I was already comfortable um, being naked in front of a group as an art model. Mm-hmm. So I was like, sure, I'll, I'll give it a try. And I was so real no nervous. hesitation. A little bit, you know, I, I think everybody's nervous during their first audition, you know, mm-hmm. especially if you're not a seasoned pro. Um, yeah, well. Usually, when you're starting off, you're not. You're not. You're right. You Unless you have a big dance TV or background. Something. Yeah. Or, you know, I was no burlesque dancer before this or anything. So, mm-hmm. um, unless you're comfortable with performing, and I was not. So, yeah, it was a bit low pressure, though. It wasn't a huge club. I danced at like rural and small city clubs um, around where I was living. And uh, I was meeting clients on Backpage, RIP, <laughs> Craigslist. Um, so, okay. And at the club. Okay, so you started dancing at the club, and then you also were using Backpage to advertise. How did you know about Backpage for advertising? It was a while ago, but I, I think at the time I just I maybe learned about it from maybe one of the people that I worked with on Craigslist. They mm-hmm. might have mentioned it. I think this was like towards like like the later end of my time living in mm-hmm. Massachusetts, though. Yeah, and so. Okay. Yeah, I was I was more heavily on Backpage like later once I was like a little bit more established. Wow, uh, okay. it was mostly Craigslist in the club at the time. Okay. Yeah, it's also a rural area, so you know it's not like a city where there's like a yeah, posts or anything. Yeah, that's why Backpage is very popular too because they were um, available for rural small towns. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, and and yeah, it was a big loss. For, for places that didn't have, you know, big platforms in that city. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was doing this while a full-time student. Um, I was, you know, working with youth because art education was, um, you know, part of what I was studying and trying to get into and to continue working in nonprofit after graduating. And, you know, it wasn't super great paying work. A lot of the times there wasn't a lot of money for art materials. So, you know, I was using money from, you know, sex work to buy supplies and things like that. So uh, I moved back to Philly after graduating and uh, job opportunities were kind of slim. And it was just low paying. Um, I was just, you know, kind of like looking at things and being like, you know, how am I going to pay rent? And you know, um, school loans and stuff like that. Um, so I pretty much was also afraid of like getting outed to the programs because there's so much stigma. Yeah. You know, being working with youth, being a teacher, um, although Girl, so many, yeah, such just an so many fit person to be around kids. Meanwhile, exactly. they're pedophiles out here doing exactly. the most. 
Exactly. And it's like, you know, some of the some of the most amazing educators and youth workers that I know are, are sex workers, mm-hmm. um, are really great with kids, you know, our parents, all, all of the above. So for me, I kind of feel like I felt like at the time that I had to choose a bit. So um, mm-hmm. I decided, you know, uh, I'll just do this on the side for a bit, make some money and then, you know, jump into nonprofit later, uh, mm-hmm. you know, TBD. Tried a bit of sugaring at the time. Wasn't really my cup of tea. Um, oh, we're going to have to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I yeah. feel like everyone that You ends love it up, or hate it, I think. <laughs> well, everyone that ends up, you know, in professional sex work always has something negative to say about sugaring because a lot of guys cross boundaries. That's just... It's true. And I think it's for, for me, it was the blurry boundaries. That was hard because, you know, when you you know, working at the club, everything's by the minute, by the mm-hmm. half hour, by the hour. And, you know, mm-hmm. for being a companion by the you know, half hour, hour, whatever. So for me, I like the that container, you know, for time. Yeah. Whereas knowing what to when expect. you're off the clock, you know, there's just exactly. so much manipulation, you know, yes. emotional, mind a lot play, of taking mind advantage. tricks. Yeah. And when yeah. you're younger, you're more malleable. Especially so. college students. That's, yeah. You know, that's what they, I'm saying. They're, they're given, they're given college students then. free signups. <laughs> To SA, yeah. yeah, sign up for free for college. Yeah, they're, they're, or if you have a college email, yeah, yeah, they, they know what they're doing. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I tried a bit of that, but it wasn't my thing. So I just continued dancing and escorting because that was my financial plan until I figured out, you know, career in quotes, whatever that was. So uh, as a dancer, I was already catering to a lot of fetishists and you know some kinky people. Also, you know, as an escort. Um, and I actually met my first submissive at one of the clubs I worked at. He oh, said, cool. Yeah, he said that I would be a good pro-dom. That's pretty much what we would do in the champagne room is mostly doming him. So, nice. Yeah, and I feel like it's pretty common. Just, you know, the different, like, types of work kind of bleed together in some ways. So I started dom and fetish work on the side, um, first independently, and then in the cat house, because I didn't really have a, a space to work out of. And I felt like I found my true calling in that it was just came really naturally to me. Mm-hmm. So it was only like maybe three months of that. And I decided that I was going to quit stripping. Um, yeah, because stripping is tough. It's it a was, lot of hours. It's a lot of hours. I've been doing it for like five, about five years at that point, full time. Um, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a hustle, and um, yeah, I used to strip, so I <laughs> yeah, I <get> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's hard if you're not an extrovert, which I'm not. You know, it's like I don't yeah. think you have to be to do to to work in a club, but it definitely helps. Yeah. Um, I I really like connecting one on one with people. So yeah, um, so I quit escorting around that time too because I was just tired in general of paying. You know, my managers at the club. House um, fees, DJ, house fees, floor DJ, guys. Everybody, yeah, yeah. House mom, I never mind paying because, you know, house mom yeah. took care. But, um, yeah. you know, all, all these, yeah, other folks. Hands so in your much. pocket. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, and at the time, it, it like, you know, doming and stuff, that was like around the same rates that I was uh, asking as an escort. So it, it felt like, you know, okay, you know, I could have, have some more boundaries. Um, when I hadn't previously, because I was, you know, still relatively young in this work. So I started kind of dabbling with fetish videos. I was doing phone domination um, on the side, a little bit of cam domination. And then I realized that I needed like uh, more of like a, a, a better space to work out of. 
So mm-hmm. um, after a few months, I um, was hired at a commercial dungeon um, where I interviewed at. It was pretty small. And uh, I worked there for a year and then went independent again. Um, okay. Because I felt like I would just, you know, be more successful with my own space, um, booking my own people. I just wanted more control over the work that I did. Yeah, um, I hear you. Yeah. So, but, you know, I learned a lot and overall it was like a, you know, good experience, but I just didn't want to be sitting around for shifts like I was at the, you know, at the club. It kind of felt similar in ways. So I went indie again and then built out like a small private dungeon apartment that I lived in. And then after that, I um, had a loft space that was a larger uh, dungeon that I had for several years. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, were you always in the Bay Area? No, so this is all in Philly. So oh oh, yeah. so you started in Philly? Wow! Yeah, originally, that's so that's like so you, you know you made well, that's like where a I was, complete coast shift. <laughs> I did, and, I, and and I can also get into it in a minute explain why that was. But yeah, okay. so I was in you know rural New England, which was awesome. Really cold. That's part of why I moved back. Honestly, beautiful, but just you know very very cold. Winters long is depressing. So this, you know, moved back to Philly in 2010 and then began working um, full time, not mm-hmm. as a student anymore. So this was all in Philly. I had my dungeon and it was affordable too. you know, uh, yeah. you know, Philly is, a, you know, lowest rent in terms of like a big city in the East Coast. Yeah. So um, but that's changing. So I decided I had already been out to the Bay and really loved it out here. Um, I had friends who lived here. I'd visited um, you know, I've come, I came out and trimmed weed during weed growing season, and I decided that I'd like to move here. Eventually. Whoa, <laughs> you trimmed weed? I'm going to yeah. need you to clarify, ma'am. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so every, every um, what, fall, you know, trimming season, I would come out. I had some friends out here, and I would come out for like a month or so, um, so trim like weed, get paid. their business. Yeah, wow. get, get and paid. What does a weed trimmer get paid? Like, is oh, it like college kids' I don't know prices? The, or no, I don't know what the, the, is it, the is rates it a good are pay? now. I think it was like a few hundred for a pound. So, you know, That's it depends how, how quick you could work, how good. You know, if you're really quick, you could, you know, do it in a, a day. Some people just mow through it and, you know, which wow. isn't good. They're just cutting corners, but um. But I mean, I th- I feel like that's pretty cool, though. Yeah, in indoor and out, you know, outdoor. But for for me, so I would do that in the fall, and then I'd you know come back to Philly and then just dance for the rest of the year. And I did that for a while, mm-hmm. but um, I decided I wanted to move here. So and this was around my Saturn return. So I just kind of like was like, okay, I'm gonna move to California in a year. I'm just gonna work my ass off, save up enough to have a bit of a cushion, and then you know find a spot so I moved to the bay and um, I was still kind of bi-coastal at the time because I had a lot of regulars in Philly so I was mm-hmm. flying flying back here about every other month so I had a, a, a client who was a pilot at the time which okay. was really helpful oh, <laughs> in nice. flying this much yeah 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 so um when I moved to the bay I was mostly doming but I began incorporating some like FBSM and like escorting into sessions and then within a year I had uh, transitioned fully into escorting again but this time as a a kink professional. For Um, those people who don't know what FBSM means could you please mm -hmm. tell them what does it stand for? Full body sensual massage so basically like a sexy rub down you know yeah, like body, body to rub. body contact yeah yeah, yeah. 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 and i feel like I it did, could take I a lot of forms well. 
exactly it could it could be just you know it could be kinky it could be not kinky um you know it doesn't need to you have any kind of you know escorting or it can it's up to you so yeah Mm -hmm. I feel like in the bay it's just there's a lot more overlap between different types of work um Mm -hmm. whereas on the east coast it felt like it was a lot more separated and a big part of me moving here too was that just west coast is a lot more open and accepting of this kind of work Um, Mm -hmm. I found it was way less stigmatized in communities that I was hanging out in. Um, I would just meet so many people who are in the work. There's just kind of like no thing. Whereas on the East Coast, it it was a lot different. I feel like people were a lot more in the closet about this work. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So you you tried a little bit of everything. Yeah, I really did, except for camming. I never really went, went hard with camming. That's like one area I haven't worked in. But before I did move from Philly, I did start doing um, some porn. I uh, was uh, a a director that I really respect um, reached out to me to uh, be in one of her films. So um, Oh, her. So that's good. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That's always a good sign. (laughs) Yeah, it was Maria Beattie. She's really amazing. um, Fetish film producer, queer porn producer. um, And that paid for a good chunk of my move. Um, and then wow. I continued doing porn um, once in the Bay, just because, you know. Why not? Yeah, it's just a yeah, a lot of porn in the Bay, L.A., California in general. So, Wow. That's pretty cool. I mean, so I want to kind of dive into a few things here. Mm-hmm. Your sugaring experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many SDs did you have? Can you, like, kind of tell us how that was? I don't even know if I'd call them a true SD. I mean, like, as as we would say, Splendid Daddy. I feel like I had, like, I was definitely, like, meeting up with a lot of folks, making introductions, like, definitely proactive about it. But in terms of finding someone that seemed serious and generous, I feel like, Mm -hmm. you know, they would kind of drop off after, like, two or three meets because I just didn't feel like. I don't know that they were invested and that that I would be getting what I was looking for. Exactly. Because I already had a background working, you know, like more like just like, you know, by the hour and stuff. So it was just a lot more structured. So this kind of felt like new, new, weird territory. And a lot of people I met, I felt like we're we're really just trying to get, you know, get a a discount. Yeah, take advantage. So is that why you decided to, you know, be like, yeah, sugar is not for me? Yeah, basically. And, you know, I, I think I tried it again once I moved to the Bay because, you know, it took a, a bit to get established here. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just one of the most expensive places in the country. So I was just kind of trying everything. And, uh, yeah, I tried it a little bit and then I got booted from the platform. And I was kind of like, OK, yeah. well, this is a sign, a sign <laughs> well, that, that it ain't. I feel like a lot of <laughs> girls have been booted from the platform. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. So. Somatic sex coach. What exactly is that? <laughs> so that was another part of the reason I moved out here. There's a, a program that I uh, really wanted to do. There's a lot of somatic programs, but mm-hmm. um, this was specifically focusing on sexuality. So it's not like official ther- sex therapy, you know, where it's a college program. It's kind of like more of an independent kind of like woo-woo thing. So, where, but do you do you get trained for it, or is it just you do get that trained? Self- yep, I did do a training, and there's lots of different trainings. There's um so many different modalities within somatics. So, um, mm-hmm. for me personally, the the somatics that I wanted to do was hands on. So it's it's body based 
therapy and coaching, basically it goes a step beyond what you would be able to do in normal sex therapy where you're just mm-hmm. sitting on a couch talking to someone. So mm-hmm. like we're trained to work like hands-on with people basically being a pleasure coach, whether it's helping Got someone it. work through difficulty, having pleasure, you know, orgasming. Um, it could be, you know, um, folks who have trauma, working with people who are, you know, maybe haven't been in very sexual experience and are just kind of like learning their way around their body. Um, okay. So, yeah. And it usually involves like having someone on like a table, massage table. And the big boundary in it is that we're not bringing our own sexuality into the picture. Yeah. Like you are with sex work. That, that you're bringing, you know, all of that in, and that's what people want. But with this, we're more being a container and holding space of someone else's experience um, so that they could do healing for themselves. So basically you're doing God's work. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could say that. It's important work. I, and I, I, I really believe in it. And, and I, I did it before I, I started training myself. I saw a practitioner so that I could get that perspective. That's and do good. my own work around it and kind of understand more what it was. So, And that's amazing because if you, you know, invest in your craft and yourself, mm-hmm. you just, you're better in general and it's just better for everyone involved. So I like Absolutely. that. But some people just jump in and just call themselves sex coaches and they don't oh, even have I know. a clue. And, and for me, it's like, I don't even really have like a superficial practice right now. It's like, I'm trained and I've done a little like sliding scale work here and there, but I, I still feel like I need further education before I can really put this um, offering out there. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. I plan to do further somatic education before I like make a website and, you know, put more attention to it. Yeah. I don't blame you. Um, but that's, that's smart anyway. Okay, so what do you think uh, is a misconception about escorts and, you know, sex coaches, doms? Anybody <laughs> in the field, yeah. Every, everything you do. <laughs> oh, there's so many. I feel like a few that I, you know, see or that you would maybe see in, like, popular, you know, movies or TV shows, whatever, is that um, we're lazy, unintelligent greedy, just about the money, you know, don't care about people's feelings when, um, in fact, some of the most hardworking, brilliant and generous people that I personally know are escorts or just sex workers in general. I feel like a lot of the stereotypes kind of rely on just seeing workers as one dimensional, but Mm -hmm. it's like we're, we're everybody. You know what I mean? Um, there's exactly. so many people who do this work across, like, you know, race, class, gender, sexuality, um, all over the world. So uh, I think just the range of skills and talents required for this work are huge. And um, I just know so many amazing people in this work who are, you know, I don't know, just like accomplished in like so many other areas it's like or not you don't have to be it's like there are there's no requirements um for this you know i mean honestly (laughs) i just feel like as long as you're doing your best work yeah you know and you're putting your your best self out there that's really all that matters honestly it does i mean you know for a lot of people it doesn't need to be a career or vocation some people are just trying to make ends meet or get by and that's totally fine too like mm-hmm. you know and it's a job you know like any other job yep it's a job <laughs> sure is um okay so what is one misconception people have about you 
Okay, so for me, I feel like um, something that comes up a lot, and like I get a lot of emails that、um, you know people are like, "Oh, like you know, do I need to be submissive with you? Do you only see kinky people?"、Um, so I think clients often assume that、um, like an unapproachable sewn top who only dominates and like only sees submissive people,、mm-hmm. um, and I can understand why they might think that because I think just years of prodoming gives. Anyone a hard edge for the most、mm-hmm. part, but I've、mm-hmm. only like softened、uh, my brand since I moved to the Bay. <laughs> It's just like、yeah. very, di- very different kind of vibes between like East Coast Salming and West Coast Salming. Yeah.、Um, but like I'm, I'm pretty down to earth and versatile at heart. Like you know, I'm I could be you know top, bottom, switch. Definitely, oh, definitely. Sometimes、more. some people don't switch. Some people don't, and I think for me, I'm kind of all over the place. Like I think that、um, I don't think it's a requirement, but I think that、uh, a lot of the best tops that I've encountered have, you know, bottomed, and it just gives you more perspective into the the folks that you know you're, you know, say topping or doming.、Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it just gives you more perspective and. You know, all of these things are different too. Like it, you know, some people are, you know, just a little bit more bottomy, but not kinky. They just、mm-hmm. kind of like being more receptive in situations、um, without all the bells and whistles, and that's great too. I'm kind of open to to seeing everyone. So I think, you know, being submissive or kinky isn't a requirement to see me. We could still have a lot of fun. I'm down to meet people where they're at, and we might discover that they do have a few kinks, which is usually what happens. <laughs> Even、so、when people say they're not kinky. Yeah. So basically,、are. you're saying, you know, somebody wanted to book you as an escort, that's fine. And then、mm-hmm. if they decided they wanted to do other things, then you're open. Totally. I mean, I think that's more more of like what what my brand is about is that I,、mm-hmm. I specialize in this. So if you're someone who's looking for that, like. I'm your babe, but also if you're just you know looking for something more vanilla, like that's me also. <laughs> like vanilla. So for those people、yeah. who are not really big into the kink world, can you explain what a top and a bottom is? So yeah, I, I、uh, let's see. So topping and bottoming is is different than doming and subbing.、Um, mm-hmm. I feel like so in in queer world, gay world. Top bottom. It's about like your position. Do you pref- prefer being receptive or do you prefer giving? Whereas in BDSM, doming and subbing, like these words aren't analogous. They're they're、mm-hmm. different but related. So for me, in in terms of BDSM,、um, as a dominant, I'm you know holding space for the submissive to experience different sensations.、Um, it's about power and control, power exchange,、um, submissive. Is giving up some, you know, power to me, trusting me, and yeah, generally like receiving a lot of、okay. sensations, and and perhaps being, you know, more receptive in that role. But so basically, the top is probably maybe the person that's more experienced, and the bottom is learning from the top ish. Not necessarily, actually. So for me, when I when I started.、Um, Say topping,、um, even doming too. I was pretty inexperienced, so I was actually learning a lot from my submissives, who were you know very seasoned subs who had been doing this for like many years, right?、Uh, clients, so they were teaching、mm-hmm. me as a sub how to dom, which was、mm-hmm. really helpful. So I wouldn't say necessarily more、um, experience, but just you know,、uh, it's just playing a bit of a different. A different role, and I feel like for me now, I don't have,、um, I don't do as much intense DS as I did as a dom, and、mm-hmm. I don't do as heavy scenes. It's definitely like a little bit more mixed in with 
companionship and things like that. But at the same time, now that I'm a bit more experienced, I do find that people who are new to BDSM who are have submissive tendencies tend to, you know, uh, want to see me because I can introduce them to this world or help them explore their kinks. Nice. I love it. <laughs> but sometimes I get people see me who, you know, have way more experience than me and I'm really excited to learn from them too. I think it's important that, you know, uh, doms learn a lot from their subs just as subs learn from their doms. It's like a reciprocal It's true. Like every, everything is connected. Yang, yang, yang. I mean, for me, I, I taught for a while. I worked with youth and um, I found it important, you know, in, in that realm not to, you know, assume that students are always going to learn something from you and you're never going to learn anything from them. It's, it really goes both ways. So Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So describe your ideal client. I mean, I know you, <laughs> I know you said, um, you know, you, a client can come to you and you're just an open, you know, open book, but who do you, who do you prefer to come to you? <laughs> I mean, it's, I feel like I really get along with all types, but I'd say the most important thing is just being really open-minded, adventurous, you know, down to try new things, uh, definitely generous. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm really we, ge- we, we love generous <laughs> clients. <laughs> we do. And it's like, I'm really generous in a lot of ways too. So I like to see people match that or go beyond. Mm-hmm. And I like folks who are open to exploring their sexuality in whatever way that looks, whether it's, you know, trying new things, um, being, you know, down to explore with new people, hooking up with maybe someone of a gender that they haven't experienced before. Um, mm-hmm. I love that and down to help people explore that. And um, I like people who are into pleasing. So really generous in that sense too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cause you don't want to be the only one, you know, doing everything. Not always. It depends on the dynamic, but I feel like folks who are done, definitely like invested in my pleasure, I get along with fairly well. And I like people who are just utterly depraved and like total pervs too. Because <laughs> I am. Yes, yes. We love it all. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> totally depraved. I'm going to yes. have to use that in a marketing thing. <laughs> we love to see it. <laughs> uh, okay. So what would you say the biggest mistake you've made is as a sex worker? I'd say for years, just not taking this work seriously um, as a career until like way later in the game. Um, Yeah. I think like for me, it it really likes, so like starting like, you know, 2007-ish, it was about like maybe 2012 when I actually started being like, oh, like I'm going to take, you know, my doming practice, which I just started like seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's like a pretty long time. I think to wait, but, you know, I don't regret any of my journey. I just think that I considered, you know, legal jobs or say me working in education to be more valid just due to societal stigma. Yeah, so it I happens. Always, yeah. And I treated this work as a, like a temporary side thing for a really long time because of that. And I think yeah. that that's where a lot of people get tripped up because they don't realize that, you know, this can be something that can be a long-term career if it's like the right choice for you. And it requires a lot of different skills and it's not for everybody. Not everybody could, could do it. Um, I mean, but you're right about the whole stigma thing because, I mean, even amongst ourselves, there are girls mm-hmm. that are like, oh, if I'm doing this when I'm 40, 
You know, oh, I must yeah. have, you know, made a bad choice yep. in life or who wants yep. to still be a hoe in their 50s exactly. and, you know, shit like that. Because and we they hate don't... to say it because because it's uh, not true. It's not true. And I think like, it... it's a job like any other job. I don't know why this job is just the one that everybody wants to be a Captain Sabre hoe it's or look down on. It doesn't does make any, any sense. Does anybody want to be a, stuck in a cubicle? Uh, like whatever age either they don't don't they don't mind doing that till 65 they don't mind doing that till 65 so it's it's so weird to me because there are legit girls that feel like there's something wrong with them if they've been doing this for more than what four or five years they feel like that's like the time frame you get in you make your money you get out and it's not a stepping stone for everyone it's really not for some people that's cool but it's you know for some people it's it's a lifestyle it really is exactly i mean all i ever preach on here is that you know you save your money and yep. you know try to find other ways to take that money and make money for you so that way you're having more exactly. streams of income there's no one to tell you that you can't be a sex worker until you're you know tired of it like oh i don't i don't well see into their old age who are very Trust successful me, at I, the top of the game i, know, I think so, i know some and they're making more money than everybody so. me too i remember the first time that i met like a dom who was like over 60 i went to fetcon in like 2012 and i was just like damn like you know these people have been doing this for a long time and are like mm-hmm. really experienced have regulars that have been seeing them forever um yep. you know i was like i want to be on that level someday that's amazing Um, that's goals that's goals to me it might not be someone else's goals but i have a lot of respect for yeah like that you know long time workers yeah okay so did you have any mentors or did you figure out everything on your own because i know you said you worked in um a dungeon you know you worked at uh like more like a agency style type places you know, well, where you I never worked where... for an agency, but definitely like the way that dungeons kind of um, operate are a little bit, yeah. they're kind where, of well, similar. Basically where you weren't the one doing everything on your own, like you yes. had uh, a middleman, They were doing the so booking and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I definitely had a few, few middlemen, few people over the years who, you know, try to manage me, quote unquote, um, you know, as you'll encounter uh, while getting into this work. But um, ultimately when I first started, I didn't even know what the term sex work meant. I was really clueless. Um, I wasn't out to anybody about the work I was doing in my life for years. Um, it's a hard way to be, but I was just unaware that there was even community and activism around this work. And uh, in terms of like mentors, I never really had anybody take me under their wing per se, at least in the way that I have with other people. Um, although I did have older colleagues who I looked up to and who gave me like really invaluable advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and the headmistress uh, at the dungeon that I was working at was definitely, like, been in the game a long time, like, older experience. And there were some other dons at the dungeon who are more experienced, too. Um, so, you know, I picked up new skills from watching them, you know, doing uh, duos or, you know, double dom sessions or from just, like, watching them mm-hmm. um, and, like, shadowing. So that was really helpful. Wow, you um, shadowed some people. Yeah. Because that's not really a thing in sex work. Well, in, in doming, I think it, it is a little bit more just because there is, there's a lot of really specific skills involved for things mm-hmm. that are just really important for safety. Yeah, reasons, yeah. Because there's so much that could like go with, wrong. Like with bondage stuff. Exactly. You know, things like yes. that. Okay. Yeah, bondage, anything that's, you know, if it, you're talking about needle play, it's really important to know what you're doing and to, to learn, you know, safe, you know, and risk aware kink. 
so yeah so I definitely like feel like I had had some people who who ha- were you know in in of somewhat of a mentor role but um I was never an apprentice I guess during my transition back in escorting I definitely had a handful of talented colleagues who were like more m- around my age who encouraged me and advised me in refining my marketing because I feel like that was the biggest challenge when I moved to the bay mm-hmm. was needing to like level up everything to yeah like be uh, a little bit like I don't know I guess like on the level of like folks who are working out here got it um, I was just kind of like flying by the seat of my pants in Philly Philly's kind of old school and yeah um, in a lot of ways even compared to like New York and stuff so when I moved here I really had to like uh, put a lot more effort in and like invest a little bit more and level um, up and take it but, more serious yeah yeah but that's what any business though like that's why people go yes. back to school to get you know a different certificate or whatever exactly. so they can move up in their career so it makes sense and yes exactly. for the for the 100 fucking time people this is a real job <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep. i'll say it forever <laughs> i keep true. saying it you have to treat it like a business but like it's sometimes true. sometimes people like they don't they don't think about stuff like that no, and I, I don't think I did for a while. And I think I'm really like thankful for my colleagues who encouraged me to, to get back into companion work, but, um, you know, not just as someone who's, you know, using selfies, you know, exactly for a while, which is nothing wrong with that. And that's fine. But for, it wasn't working for what I was trying to do. Exactly. I had just done it. I had done it for so long, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, but also at the same time, right now, if you post selfies on social media, they get oh, way more likes than professional yeah. pictures, right? They so love it. People but love what selfies. gets you more yeah. bookings is what I'm saying. You can it, get yeah. likes all day long. Likes doesn't mean shit. It's I want true. money. It's true. Yeah, yeah. And and for me, I I did need some more professional pictures. That's where I was I was lacking. In a lot of like ways. let people know you're a real person they do you know they get they to do. know your persona but i assure you guys are still visual at the end of the day you know so it's true. You, you still gotta have a certain like i say have a nice mix you know i think so too and you know what works for someone doesn't work for someone else some people could work off all selfies and i did for years and it works great for them and then mm-hmm. you, you go into a new market and it doesn't anymore and you got exactly adapt. you so gotta it, you gotta know you know what you need to do to get the maximum uh amount of money for your work exactly so um yeah i'm thankful for the folks who really encouraged me and helped me out gave me ideas you know um while getting back into escorting because i didn't i didn't think i was ever going to do it again honestly Um, until i moved here and i think like what happened is i had to undo a lot of my own internalized phobia that i had like against myself in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, you know, that I picked yeah, up man. from other people, right? Yeah, from, dom- from doms too, because there's a lot of a lot of horophobia within <clears throat> the you know dom oh yeah dom sure. community, and I think that's a lot for of what I sure, internalize. Because there are doms that look down on escorts because they're mm-hmm. like, eh, oh well, I mean, I look down, I look down <laughs> on my old self. You know what I mean? I was yeah. like ashamed of of my past and having done, you know. Um, escort work and then I, I think once I you know moved to the bay and met people who were just like oh I've done it all like you know just really you know open and accepting I was just like I don't need to feel this way um, mm-hmm. I don't you know need to have all this shame so I think that that was a big part of me wanting to get back into it is like I had to let that go in order to do it again okay okay yeah 
And we um, all have that to work through, I think, because we just, you know, pick it up from being in society. Yeah. You know, and we, stuff. Ju- we just get conditioned, unfortunately. Even escorts are, you know, can be, you know, there's a lot of respectability politics, like you were saying. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, we're only human. At the end of the mm-hmm. day, I try to, like, look at it like, you know, this person has been conditioned based on yes. their environment. Yes. Although, I'm still going to call your ass out. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm that. I'm that, too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, let's get into the depravity of it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the perversion of it all. You specialize in pegging. I so, do. So, uh, let's, because I hear this, especially from my uh, gay friends gay sex workers, yes. gay people that have to do deal with any kind of anal sex, there yeah. is always complaints about the bottom not being well prepared. I've picked yes. a handful of <laughs> uh, clients myself, and it's just disgusting because they don't have their shit together, literally. <laughs> literally, they don't. And, and I, always, I always, anytime this conversation comes up, I always um, link them to the people to right. the t- Tits and Sass article called right. Sex Workers Are Tired of Dealing with Your Literal Shit. You can right? Google it. It's, it's like, a really great article. But I don't know if they watch porn and think your ass is just naturally clean like those porn stars. Yeah. But, uh, it's, it's just not. a taboo. It's a taboo subject. <laughs> Nobody teaches you how to do this right. And they certainly don't teach you how to clean your ass out in sex ed, right? Because nope. most sex ed's homophobic. So that's why it's important to, you know, teach your clients yeah, how to do this. Yeah, because in sex ed, they're mostly, telling you, they're mostly telling you how anal sex is the most uh, susceptible sex to diseases. If they even mention it to begin with, right? Oh, they yeah. mentioned it in my sex ed. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And, it, and it's, you know, there, there's a little bit of truth. But I think for the most part, what I see is, is it's mostly straight men who don't know how to clean their asses time and time again. So I yeah. feel like that's the, you know, um, you know, any gay or bi clients who see me more often than not have a little bit of an idea on what to do, you know, if they're in community, if, if they're, you know, on the DL, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. maybe they don't know what to do. So it's good to teach. So, so yes, please tell, tell our <laughs> listeners how to prepare to be pegged. So if you're someone who's looking to take in your bum bum, then <laughs> the, the, the first thing you want to do bum. is clean, clean it out. <laughs> and the second thing you want to do is um, stretch with plugs. So I kind of break it down into easy steps because people tend to get overwhelmed so for me, I think diet is a big part of it. I mm-hmm. tell people to avoid spicy, greasy food and like coffee or anything with a lot of caffeine um, the day that we're going to play if possible. Obviously, that's hard for some people because they run off of coffee. But yeah, uh, so food that's high in fiber will keep things clean and moving smoothly. And it will just save you time when trying to uh, clean out. So, so hold on, pause. I know a lot of bottoms like don't eat when they're about to go to their quote unquote dick appointment. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> is that really a thing? It, it, it is. And I, like, I mean, I'm not going to say that I haven't eaten lighter on days, you know, where I was doing it too. Um, it definitely helps, but I, I don't recommend people come to me hungry, woozy, you know, especially, <laughs> you know, if we're doing a kink appointment, you know, you risk fainting and you don't want to do that to your dog. You no, really don't. It's, please don't. <laughs> it's not fun for, it's no fun for anybody. It could be unsafe. So I tell people, you know, make Make sure that you eat something, even if, yeah. even if it's white rice with a little like chicken, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like skip the broccoli, whatever. Yeah. Um, Did you, know, you watch the stuff. show uh, Pose? Uh, I, ha- I have seen, yeah, I've seen there Pose. Was, there, was an episode, the there was an episode where her client <laughs> died on her as a dom. So that I was... 
the fact that you brought that up is so funny to me because I had saw that not long ago and I was triggered. I was like, I was like, I need to go like have a joint after watching that because I th- every I was triggered as fuck because every that's every dom's worst fear, right? Right. Um, and there's ways to prevent it, but you know, I've I think a lot of us has, have had clients who've you know fainted before because they didn't eat properly or mm-hmm. you know even doing something is you know if you're standing up on the cross and you're you're locking your knees too tight that could stop blood flow and it could cause you know fitness mm-hmm. so so yes you yeah definitely like important to like you know not be super under the influence um you know or if you show up to your session make sure you've eaten you're hydrated drink water i can't stress that enough um, yeah I'm, I'm like a water dom i like will literally like pour water into my client's mouths if i think that they're dehydrated and like need to drink um, yeah so that's a big part of this too so you want to eat decent hydrate try to skip caffeine if you can because i find it makes things more messy and then step two is you either want to get a um reusable fleet enema from the drugstore mm-hmm. um, i personally think they're a little bit painful because the tip is plastic and has a seam on it. So I recommend using like a reusable silicone one. You could get it online. You could disinfect it, wash it out real easy. And then the next step, you want to do at least an hour before playing so mm-hmm. that you could rinse out completely. If you do it too close to your playtime, you might leak. That's no fun. Oh, my. Um, <laughs> unless that's your thing. It's not personally my thing. But, um, you know, I don't want to yuck anybody's yum. So, um, yeah, so do it at least an hour uh, or more before you want to, um, if you're using a fleet, I would pour out the water that they put in there. It's usually cold saline, that's Mm -hmm. kind of shock to your, you know, bowels. So you'll want to fill it with warm water, tap or filtered. Um, Mm -hmm. And same if you're using a reusable one, Um, you can fill it halfway to the top. And then you want to lay on your side or bottoms up, like on the floor. (laughs) Wherever, put a towel down, get comfortable. Bottoms up. You know, put on a little music, you know, whatever. And then you want to just squeeze it and release all the water inside you. And then you hold it until the pressure makes it so that you can't hold it anymore. But you don't want to go beyond that, you know, time zone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then you release it into the toilet. There you go. Yeah. And and you might want to do it two or three more times. I always say do it until the water is almost clear. Okay, you heard that, guys. Yeah. Wash, wash inside your asshole. <laughs> yeah, and and there's some, there might be some good instructional videos online, but it's you know pretty intuitive. You'll find out the way that works best for you, and you'll also figure out how how many it might take you generally to clean out or whatever. Um, I always caution people against doing if you're not doing any like super deep play. I wouldn't do too many or like too much at the same time because it will go too deep and mess up you being oh. clean to begin with yeah oh my yeah 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 and I, we can get into the science here but you don't want to oh, yeah geez. yeah <laughs> yeah you don't want to go like too much into the lower bowel you just want that's what i tell people so yeah wow. don't go too now, hard this thing i haven't done and it's honestly it scares me but you know i'm a wuss when it comes to a lot of kinks so <laughs> totally i do i do it quite frequently and and yeah sometimes a little bit more cleaning is necessary so for being so the first time you fisted someone. <laughs> how how did that go? Were you nervous as hell? Did you feel I, like you I were think hurting I was. them? 
Yeah, I was nervous. I mostly was just surprised at how hot it was in there. I was just like, you know, the nitrile glove, it was warm. (laughs) It was radiating heat. And I was just like, wow, this is what it it feels like to have your hand inside someone. You know, they're like my little, I was like a little puppet. Yeah. Puppet master. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's great feeling. and, And now I do it all the time. That is funny. (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i tell people if you're gonna do that maybe use an enema bag because it does clean a little bit deeper and it will be a more involved process you might want to be more picky with your food for that too um yeah wow (laughs) (laughs) so any horror stories i'm sure you have some (laughs) well yes well before i get to that i'll just say um after doing the cleaning out you'll want to use some plugs to stretch yourself up because going in cold and taking like a strap on isn't easy for people who are new. So I recommend yeah, like, so you know, prepping with the plug. Yeah, uh, use yeah, a small okay. one and then go up in size or use the inflatable one. Um, so horror stories, <sighs> other than like, you know, like pulling out and having a little, little doo-doo on the end of my strap on. Mm-hmm. Um, or like maybe a little animal water leaking out, which is normal. Um, I haven't experienced anything like too horrible that was like scarring <laughs> you know um good i also like have heard worse and i think that i've maybe seen it all at this point and i'm just really like unaffected you know yeah. after doing so much anal play on folks but oh, i did have a client one time leave a small turd in the drain grate uh, in my hotel shower oh my god and i think he released the enema into the shower which um now uh, i can't believe that i have to tell people not to do this but after this happened i'm like please you know, uh, only wa- wash wash the shower after, well, but don't shit. like don't use the shower as a toilet because it's not. <laughs> They're two different things for a reason, right? <laughs> yeah, it was it was fucked up, but um, I still haven't gotten over that. And, oh my! Um, yeah. Well, so. at least you he had a reason for doing that. At least it's not just a regular escort client that has nothing to do with anal, and they still leave. I mean, I've heard, I've heard of that too. I, I haven't had that experience, but I've heard about the, the streaks on the you know, sheets and yeah. So yeah, so so pay pay your sex workers well because this is sometimes Please, what we have to deal. Please tip them too. Yes, tip us. Because this is some bullshit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I heard other horror stories from other people that that were worse than mine, but mostly from like people I've worked at a dungeon with or whatever. Yeah, we're doing like more hardcore animal play, and a lot could go wrong if um person doesn't have good you know control. So, yeah, but I don't do a lot of that. I mostly do strap on. So, yeah, I, I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how would you um advise newbies that are looking to get into sex work, particularly, you know, your expertise? What kind of advice do you have for them? Well, so I tell people anybody entering now, it's like we're in a post-Sestafasta world. A lot oh, of yeah. sites things have, are different have now. Shut for down. Sure. Thing, things are very different, and um, it requires you to be way more versatile. Um, I think being patient is crucial. Like money is just not going to happen overnight. It didn't mm-hmm. for me, and for mm-hmm. most other people, it doesn't. I say do your research online, uh, and take advantage of like the abundance of information out there for newcomers. I remember when I started, like, there was no Instagram, there was no Twitter. Facebook was only for college students at the time, you know? Like, I don't even know if Tumblr existed. I think, like, there, it was a lot harder to find information. You really had to Google for it. Um, yeah. Now I feel like there's so many resources out there that um, people 
I don't know, just have more access. So I'd say take advantage of that, you know, and people aren't going to necessarily mentor you for free. It shouldn't be expected, um, you know, but if someone wants to take you on uh, as a mentor, then that's great. Um, just make sure you show humility and appreciation towards, um, you know, any seasoned worker who helps you along the way. And just expressing that's important. Um, yeah. You know, and if it comes to kink and you want that specialty that you want to dive into, take, um, you know, obviously it's hard right now with the pandemic, but like take classes, read, you know, get books, um, go to trainings. I've done all this stuff, you know, maybe pay someone for their time to show you a new skill. Um, yeah. There's, vi there's videos online, um, you know, instructional videos. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the kink.com, the kink oh, academy oh, oh, even has some videos. Kink. Yes, 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 instructional videos. That makes, that yeah, makes well, sense. Not escorting, just kink. Oh, no, no. I mean, I think some people have like a how to, you know, on the business side of things. But yeah, yeah. for kink, it's, it's more like hands on skills that you could learn from videos like the kink.com academy. Yeah. They, they basically have hired performers and workers to, to show, you know, skills from like rope to fisting. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. 101. So it's sex education. That's important. Okay, that's awesome. All right, so uh, any other advice or is that pretty much it? I think that's mostly it, yeah. Okay, and speaking of advice, what is the worst advice you've ever gotten? <laughs> oh, man, I've been given so much bad advice, but I think uh, some of the worst advice in terms of, like, marketing for me has been, like, not to cut my hair because I mm -hmm. used to have hair down to my butt, believe it or not, and bangs. And um, I was told not to get more tattoos because it would scare clients away. But neither of those things have been true because I've done both of those things and still have wonderful clientele. There um, you go. I'd say, <clears throat> like, I'm definitely, like, more niche now and appeal to, mm. like, a, a less of a, a, you know, a wide net. But, yeah. Um, the people but you have I, good core clients. Yes. The people that I do meet, I connect with ten times better because they're, they're into me yeah, because and who I am yeah. about. And that's what I've always said. It's like, you need to find a way to be yourself. The whole point of yes. doing this is yes. the fact that we get to be, we get to have body yes. autonomy. Exactly. So like, why would you still want to like warp and turn and contort yourself right. to something else and, if you don't have to? And I think that we all do it to a degree. There's definitely like some standards that, you know, we need to fit into that are definitely magnified in this work. But I think overall it's, I wouldn't let someone else determine you know, what's going to be at the end of the day, like, you know, what's best for your brand. And, you know, um, I would just like take advice from people who market similarly to you and just see what works for them rather mm -hmm. than someone who's in a totally different niche, because it's really going to be way different. Um, yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. Okay. And the best advice you've ever gotten? I'd say it's like definitely like more wisdom <clears throat> based advice, but trust your gut if you have a bad feeling. Mm -hmm. um, and don't second guess your intuition because I feel like time and time again, it will, you know, yeah, just it might put you in a bad situation. Just really, like time. listen to your gut. <laughs> if you have a, a bad feeling, you're feeling weird about, you know, someone's, you know, intro text email to you, something's happening on a date. You know, yeah. just know that not not all money is good money. And yes, really try, don't go against that gut instinct. Yes. Um, yes. If, at all, if yes. possible. Yeah. I love it. Great, great advice. Um, if you could go back in time and talk to your 17-year-old self, what would you say to her? I'd tell them to not underestimate their ability to use their talents and social skills to have a job that suits their lifestyle, where you're your own boss. Mm -hmm. So 
yeah, just, yeah, knowing, knowing that, um, you know, all the skills and talents you have can, you know, go into this work and it doesn't have to just be a temporary, like you said, temporary thing, side thing necessarily. You don't have to relegate it to that. So I would tell myself that because that's something that I believed for a while. Okay. Well, we're all learning. (laughs) Live and learn. Yep. All right. Um, Let's go on to the fun stuff now. Favorite vacation destination? I've been to, I really love the desert. I like spending time in Joshua Tree. I like Hawaii a lot. Been there several times. There's a lot of international destinations I've yet to explore. So it's hard to say just yet, but I feel like I'll have new favorite places once we're able to, you know, travel travel around the world again. (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Um. What do you do in your free time? I mean, we have a lot of free time now. <laughs> I know we do. It's, it's pretty. It's pretty wild and surreal. Um, so in my free time, I like uh, drawing, like I talked about before, crafting. I'm a Taurus, so I'm big into house projects, like always changing things around, you When's know, decorating. Four twenty, uh, actually, <laughs> April twentieth. But I'm I'm born like uh, nine something in the morning, so I'm like just past the the Taurus cusp, so on the oh, cusp okay. of Aries. So okay, okay, cu- cusp of power, it's called. So okay, make of that. I'm still getting into astrology. Oh, okay, I don't really know everything. <laughs> uh, I guess that's another thing I like to do is pull people's charts in my free time because I'm really Ooh, into that. <laughs> maybe we'll have to do that. <laughs> I like to pull my clients' charts too. It's fun. So um, they, they don't freak out and go, what's this heebie-jeebie stuff? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> whether you believe in it or not, it's it's something I'm enthusiastic about. Yeah. Um, but I guess, yeah, I don't know. Since since quarantine, I've been more into tending to my plants. I feel like, yeah, just a lot of, a lot of babes are getting more plants. Um, I like making herbal medicine, spending time in nature. Um, I'm a big outdoors person. Um uh, usually reading a lot of books at once. I like documentaries and, uh, I've been taking some like online classes, um, during all this. And mm-hmm. I like to do that anyway. Um, I guess in my quote unquote free time, I listen to music most of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so just always listening to music. I collect records, um, started that in like 2007, um, started playing records around that time too. So that's, yeah, I guess bedroom DJ. It's like one of my hobbies. Okay. I guess like what when they were happening, I loved going to like underground music parties, you know, raves, whatever, warehouse parties. Um, been doing that since I was younger. Yeah, just like nightlife in general. Queer nightlife is important to me. Love going out. Miss that. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> really so you were, so you went out a lot before. Um... I think I go through phases, but yeah, I mean, compared to someone who's a total homebody, I'd say, yeah, you know, I like to go out and support my friends who are artists, musicians, performers. Yeah. And uh, I like to bike a lot. Um, Like I commute as a biker, weightlifting, which I miss because no gyms right now. So. You don't have like your little home gym. I know uh, a lot of people the make their, I know, right? I need a squat <laughs> rack. That's what I, that's what I'm working on right now. It's getting oh, okay. some weights in a rack. I've already got an Olympic barbell. So. You're pretty lean though for somebody who lifts. <laughs> I, I'm trying. You know, I've been trying, trying to. Bulk but up, I like but it's it. Hard. It's hard sometimes. Yeah, I'm trying to definitely lift more. Um, it's good. 
makes like me feel it. good mentally. I like lean. At the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't always been that way, but, you know, let's see. But biking, actually, that's probably a lot of the reason. Yeah, I'm trying, so, to, I'm I'm trying to get a bike, bike. now. Well, okay, can assist. you please tell me what that is? Because <laughs> a I single was, speed bike? Because in my building, we have like a little group chat. And I was okay. like, hey, uh, does anybody have a bike they're not using that I could borrow? Because I'm right. tired of running in the heat. And somebody yes. was like, yeah, I have one. It's a single speed. I'm like, I don't know what that is. It's a good workout. It's a good booty workout. So, so it's single just... speed means you can't adjust. No, you can't adjust. There's like, yeah, no. So you have, to use your, you have to use your own power. For you do. It part. does have a brake. So that's ultimately you can handbrake. Um, yeah, you can yeah, brake yeah. with your hand, unlike a, um, like fixed gear, which I used to ride. Um, and for me, I it's thought not... most bikes you could brake with your hand. Uh, well, not. not a fixed gear. You have to have to pedal backwards. So Ew. Um, yeah, exactly. It's a little dangerous. <laughs> I was a bit of a daredevil. Uh, yeah, it, I can biking see in that. the city I mean, with one, no, it could be a little. No, you told me you were fisting, I knew you were a daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I used to, I used to skate a little bit too, but it's just a you know high risk activities right now where I could break something or not a good yeah, idea. Yeah, you definitely don't want to end up in a hospital. Nah, so I'm just trying to keep it light to like you know, <clears throat> yeah, biking around a little bit, lifting weights, doing yoga, hiking, all that stuff. I love food. I don't know if you know eating. And... <laughs> Cooking is a hobby, but I, lo- I love I love cooking for friends. Um, cooking I, lo- with friends. I love food too. So food is good, and uh, I don't know. I like spending time with my cat mm-hmm. and uh, traveling um, when able to travel. Uh, I usually travel about every month, whether it's a tour or just like a trip for fun. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, favorite book or do you read? I read a lot. So, um, yeah, I'm usually reading like five books at once, which, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard because you, for- <laughs> you forget what's going on in one of the books and you have to start from the beginning. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I read a lot. Um, I, I have a lot of favorite books, but I'd say like something that was, was foundational to me was, uh, Stone Butch Blues by Leslie Feinberg. What Just, is that like, about? Important classic book it's just about it's a story but it's like very autobiographical as well about just being you know a butch trans person just and and being working class and and you know living in the city and it's just about like you know um their experiences uh also a lot of like their lovers were like sex workers it goes a lot into that so it kind of covers you know everything from gender to sexuality to to class sex work yeah yeah so yeah definitely like an important book and um pleasure activism by adrian marie brown now what is that about um it's basically like weaves like like the politics of like pleasure into mm-hmm. like social justice and activism and just like talking about like pleasure as like community care individual care as something that's like revolutionary so i think it's definitely something that would be great for like all people in our industry to read because we are in the pleasure industry so we sure are okay i'm gonna have to look that up uh are you reading anything right now uh right now i'm reading a bunch of books um well you did this, say it's, you do that <laughs> it's peak adhd um so right now i'm reading um trapdoor um the ayatollah begs to differ black on both sides and care work Black on both sides. What's that about? 
Um, it's a book about race and transness. Um, I feel like it covers a lot of things, but yeah, it's mostly about like identity, identity politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just started it, so I'm really excited. Um, okay. And then I'm rereading uh, Testo Junkie, which is like an old favorite book of mine. Testo Junkie. Yeah. That sounds. <laughs> were they, they taking testosterone shots? Yes. Like, what the hell? Okay, yeah. Like... Yes. It's I'm about like gender, test, sexuality. Like junkie. What? Okay. Politics. It goes into like the the politics of like hormones, um, mm. just in the you know in the world. Um, and also, I, I love this book because the um, author talks about um, a partner of theirs in the book who's a sex worker. Um, okay. And yeah, so there's like definitely like um, some references to that. Cool. Yeah. Wow, you have like a, a your hands full. I guess you're gonna get through quarantine just fine. <laughs> I think so. I, I'm never. I'm rarely bored. I rarely feel bored. So there's always something to do. Um, is there anything uh, you feel like sex workers should be investing their time and money in right now? I say like I'd like to definitely see more workers invest money into like community mutual aid. Just because there's, you know, like a lot of people are, are struggling right now because of what's going on. But um, I'd also love to see more like sex worker organizations, like folks, you know, putting money into these, into, you know, projects that are really going to like, you know, um, help the community and uh, land projects or like property that makes housing affordable to uh, people, the community who need it. I know some time ago I like talked to some workers about having a land project where um, like retired sex workers could go to just mm-hmm. live, you know, and stuff um, because there's so many barriers for, you know, um, people who earn money the way that we do to just, yeah. you know, do regular people things with it. So. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I'm always preaching that we have to save money because cash is still king. Last time yep. I checked. Right now and hopefully for a while. You know. They're trying to eradicate yeah, it. Yeah, they're trying to do the whole thing. Yeah. Heard, I've heard rumors of, about them moving to a cashless thing, society. which I'm not yeah. about that life. No, no. But, that uh, will fuck a, a lot of us <laughs> that, over majorly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not about that life. But uh, cash is still king. So if you save up your money, you can buy like little abandoned um, auction properties. Like there's so many yep. things you could do. It's just we have to educate ourselves on these things and not be, you know, at the mercy of the government or, it's true. you know, stuff like that. And then you said stuff about sex worker organizations and I've donated to some. But in the yeah. back of my mind, I'm like, who is running these things? Are they actually using the money for good? Because I'm still hearing stories of, mm-hmm. you know, people reaching out to these would be organizations and they're not getting the help that they claim to be offering. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, some some so, don't. I think uh, getting them is important. Like, I definitely, like, you know, could, you know, recommend some orgs. I feel like... Yeah, email that to me, and I'll put yes. it in the show notes. Yeah, definitely could do that. I, I think that there's people right now are doing a lot of good work, and that there's a lot of um, organizations that at least have, like, emergency Mm-hmm. Funds right now that that are are definitely sending funds to people who are affected good. and need it. So I know for a fact that that people are getting cash in hand. That's good. Um, you know, even though Otherwise, yeah, there are, you know, there are scammers, there are directly. scammers yeah. out there and stuff, and and definitely yeah. giving scammers money directly everywhere. is the best. Yeah. But but also you know yeah, a lot of these organizations could um you know 
use help and and i also like to see that it not just being us funding this you know because it's yeah. mostly workers so we're, we're really putting our money into these yeah but we I'd need billionaires see... bezos where you at exactly i'd love to see our i'd love to see clients step it's up it's a charitable and donate. deduction yes i'd love and i'd love to something? see allies step right up and and help out too yeah yeah because we we always fund this stuff so we do we're like the most generous bunch yes but um yep <laughs> I mean, just slowly but surely, we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, favorite movie of all time? Uh, there's a lot. Um, I'd say I like documentaries and movies alike. Um, favorite documentary is Paris is Burning. You know, I, I heard recommendation about that once I saw Pose, and I just oh, haven't yeah. gotten around to it. Definitely. Is, is it like a series, or is it like one movie? Well, it's a documentary, and there's a lot of controversy around it just because of the the, the way that you know the, the way that it was filmed and just like power dynamics and you know how folks who are who are in it were credited. But I'd say mm. like it was definitely like a foundational piece for like Pose as a show in general. Um, yeah, but was is it like one movie or is it yes, like a bunch yes. of episodes? It's one. It's one documentary. It's okay, just an okay. entire kind of because you know they did a documentary on Epstein, but it was a bunch. It was a few episodes. Yeah, it wasn't like one that. thing. I think that's well, maybe now the way of doing it. But with this, yeah, uh, I think there was just enough content to just make it like a you know a documentary that would say go to a film fest, which it did, and you know won awards. And yeah, whatnot. I definitely have to see it. Although I feel like I'm gonna not like it. <laughs> I but, I think I but, think you'll I think you'll I may like not it. It's like really... it as far as any pain and suffering that I might oh, watch. Because well, yes. well, I don't I don't like movies like that. Like I don't like oh, slavery movies because right. it's just it's triggering. Traumatic. I don't, yeah. I, I, don't I don't like anything where people are, are suffering. Like even the Epstein um, documentary. Oh my god! Where, I don't know. I haven't even. Gotten it was that it was yet. terrible to it's watch. Rough. I was just ugh. <laughs> I feel you. I mean, it's, you know, when you're an empathetic person, it's yeah. hard not to. But I'd say with, with Paris, it's burning. It's definitely, like, Yeah. Really I would have important. to be in a certain mindset to watch it because I can't just yeah. sit and just watch heavy I wouldn't stuff say, like that. I wouldn't say it's any more heavy than Pose, necessarily, although it's, well, it's, Pose, you, it's know, more, real, you know, it's real, li it's real life people <laughs> yeah. in the yeah. documentary, for sure. Um, but um, I think it gives a good good lens for anybody watching Pose. If you haven't seen Paris is burning, it's really good. I'll add it to um, my list. And um, my, I like a lot of B-rated movies, um, you know, movies that you would like, you know, people would rate really badly on Rotten Tomatoes, but I think has like a lot of artistic. I merit. don't even look at any of those <laughs> No, me either. People See, do all the time. I've never I don't even look. <laughs> no, no, look at them. It's, it, it will, it will, it will change the way you, you know, you see the, the movie. It'll make you not like it before you even give it a chance. Right? So I, I like the movie Reform School Girls. Um, what is that about? <laughs> it's basically about, uh, it's a movie. It's like kind of like a, like cult classic film about um, a school for bad, where bad girls get sent. Oh, and to be reformed. Of course, they got into some shit. Got it. Oh, got and it's like so very, be very, very gay themes. It stars Wendy. Ah, it's it was like, it a, like a Christian punk, school, or punk something? rock. So, uh, it had some religious undertones, definitely. Okay, okay. But the, the main, the main star of it was like you know, like a famous punk musician um, who oh. just is pretty much like lifting weights and smoking cigarettes, like the movie, <laughs> and just really badass outfits. Um, so that's a big part of what drew me to watching it in the first place. I love place. it. I love it. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. have to look into that. Yeah. It's really uh, campy if you like camp. Oh, okay. High camp. Got it. Got it. I'll definitely watch that then. Uh, favorite TV show? Um, right now, I, I like you said, I've been watching Pose. Um, I just got to finish the second season. And I also like 
I don't know. There's been a lot of good disclosure is good. I don't know if you've seen that before. Nope. What's that That's, about? It's kind of like um it's like documentary style. It's but it's like just like one big episode just about trans representation in okay. movies and media. Um and mm. it's real it's for sure really heavy, but I think like important for like folks to watch for sure. And I like a lot of like animated series too. I really like Aeon Flux animated series. It's like okay to be on liquid television like what what is it about back on like in the day it's basically (laughs) about um if if you're into like sci-fi anime that like features like badass i don't know how to describe like yeah badass heroine character Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it would be for you and it's just basically you know chronicling her adventures um so she's always saving the world type they're trying trying to sometimes but the thing is she's like a flawed (laughs) a flawed like heroine so it's like sometimes you know she's doing the good things sometimes she's more sinister um Mm -hmm. but it has a lot of like the androgyny in Mm -hmm. the series the the art the art is really what i love the most the Mm -hmm. styling and um it's definitely like has a lot of queer themes have you ever watched adventure time (laughs) I have. It's. I love. I love stuff like that too. Anything weird, weird. They and are definitely high making that damn show. Oh yeah. I mean, a lot of cartoons <laughs> are just real weird people. Because I'm um, just like, what? Every time, I'm always like, what did I just watch? Well, if you do, you show. do you like Tuca and Birdie? Have you seen that? I've seen clips. I haven't actually sat down to watch it. Well, Tiffany Haddish is just yeah. really funny, but I, I've, I'm, I've been obsessed with that show. Honestly, yeah, I, I think lately. she had posted something because they're moving to Netflix or whatever. Yeah. She had posted something on Instagram, and I was like, and I saw a few of the yeah, clips. I, saw I was Netflix. like, that's cool that she's doing um, cartoons too. Awesome. Yeah, you should watch it. It's hilarious. It's really trippy. Like, of course it is. Time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Okay, uh, pet peeves. I'm sure you have some. Oh, so many. But, uh, okay, so when you're on the middle seat on a flight, and then both people next to you take the, both armrests, and you're just, like, sitting there with, like, your arms kind of crammed in. That's, like, a big pet peeve for me. Well, um, do you say anything? Uh, sometimes it's, like, it depends. Do I want to take the overt aggressive approach or be passive aggressive and just, like, the minute they take their elbow off, then put my arm on it and, like, claim the armrest that's sometimes what i do you know mm. yeah i don't know sometimes they'll be like hey can i have a little space it really depends but i like, move bitch no <laughs> i like being in the aisle because i need an escape plan you know what i mean i don't like being stuck i, I just want to be able to get windows. up and leave in any I situation window seat so window. nobody bothers me because i'm always sleeping through my that's flights. true me too so. i do that of course also. In the so perfect either window world. or a aisle, yes. Yeah, in the perfect in the perfect world, I'd rather just be in first class. <laughs> yes, right? Wouldn't we all? Yeah, you know. But if I have to fly coach window seat, because I don't need anybody waking. And th- there's always the one lady that wants to pee fifty million times. Exactly. So and I'm sometimes like, I am that person who's got to go like ah! like the aisle seat. <laughs> so yeah, window first, and then I'll take aisle because at least then I can get up quickly. Because if I'm all the way in the window, I mean, or in the middle seat, and somebody's trying to leave, then I have to get up. It's the worst. The it's just it's just yeah. annoying. It's annoying. But I, I hear you. <laughs> The other pet peeve, I mean, I guess this is more of a safety thing than pet peeve, but uh, so I bike a lot. So drivers opening their car door in a bike lane without looking 
like in their you know rear view mirrors oh yeah uh, i, I mean you got... just have to be diligent as a biker i know honestly. this old lady almost took me out the other day she opened oh, her no. car door and i i you know good thing i have quick reflexes but it it happens oh so. my god yeah, yeah you really have to look out because they will you do kill you. yeah you always <laughs> have to pay, be paying attention yeah yeah uh any other pet peeves um so when when submissive clients address me using the wrong honorifics like i don't use the word mistress at all but Uh, a lot of people will will assume and you know yeah well that's like the common you know it's common yeah but i I love uncommon honorifics how do you prefer to be addressed your majesty (laughs) (laughs) i like i like i like sir a lot oh okay so and you're daddy, yeah, you butch, butch. Okay. In some ways, oh yeah, I'm a butch. I'm a bit of a butch queen. It's true. Sir and daddy. Hey, I call girls sir all the time. Oh yeah. Usually when they're doing the most, I'm like sir. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and and I, I like to think that I am most of the time, so it's appropriate. Well, uh, pleased to meet you, uh, sir. Um. Good. Hello, good sir. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um. Can you please leave our listeners, both the guys and the girls, with some parting advice? Yeah, um, I'd say wash your ass. <laughs> and uh, Wash your ass, folks. Wash your, wash wash your, your damn, damn ass. ass. <laughs> and remember to tell your loved ones that you appreciate them. Those are two honestly great <laughs> advice. They're, they're perfectly great advice. And um, where is the best place that our listeners can find out more about you and book you? I haven't started many vids or OnlyFans yet, but I will soon. Um, but for now, you could follow Instagram um, or Twitter at uh, Devra Rain. You want to spell that? Yep. It's uh, at D-E-V-O-R-A-H-R-E-I-N-E. Awesome. Thank you so much, sir. Thank Deborah. you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Daddy, for coming on the show. This Thank was very so informative. Much. I think it was like, really great talking. Yeah, to you. I feel like our listeners will definitely gain a lot from this because you know, wash your ass. <laughs> I appreciate that, Vivian. You're a pleasure to interview. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm sure you have other things to do, but uh, hopefully, you can come back on and we can talk more butch stuff. That would be great. <laughs> awesome. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You Bye. too. Have a good one. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye bye. A big thank you to Sir Devra for coming on the show and giving us some details on how to be perfectly prepared for a pegging session. I hope you guys took notes. (laughs) We don't want to hear any more horror stories from the ladies, fellas, and I guess ladies, but it's usually the guys that have issues with cleanliness. Anyways, I'm going to sign off now. I will see you guys in six weeks. Chat later. Bye-bye. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at TSEG Podcast and on Instagram at TSEGP. Join our Patreon page for exclusive videos on dating, sugaring, and freestyling tips for both the gentlemen and ladies. Patreon.com forward slash TSEGP. Follow your host Vivian on Twitter and Instagram at ExoticVivian. Please leave the show a five-star rating on iTunes. Until next time, keep it sexy and stay receptive.